Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. It is the last episode of the week on this Thursday as we get you a day closer to the weekend. It seems like this week has flown by. I don't know why, I don't know if it was because it was 4th of July and we got that extra day off, but nonetheless, we're here to talk about more Tampa Bay Buccaneers coverage. Today's topic is where the Buccaneers have the most depth on their roster. I think there are a couple of different uh, positions in particular that you can make the argument for, so we will get into all of that today. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is Casey Hudson, also of PeterReport.com. Casey, how are you? How's life? What's going on? I can for once come on here and not be like, oh, I'm surviving life's life. Things are spectacular, but I think it's also because of the holiday weekend. I had a great holiday with uh, some great human beings, so I'm starting to feel rejuvenated a little bit. I think people forget that we haven't had an off season in like three years. What's an yeah? <laughs> well, right. I mean, especially with you covering the Lightning, obviously that takes so long, and then even you finally got a couple days off, and it's like, wham, the Lightning schedule comes out. Let's all, uh, you know. Analyze every single second of that. I saw they're beginning the season in like the Czech Republic or something like that. Yeah. And then to make matters like even more interesting, as soon as you tell the world, hey, I'm in off season, guys, let's just give me like three and a half days to myself. It's like, boom, there's a trade. There's an emergency press conference. There's just a lot of emergencies. So, yeah, there was there's a lot of trading stuff going on with the lightning and the preseason kicks off in the middle of September, and it's like the season just ended. And then, yeah, they hit things off on the road and all extensive. But yeah, and, the, that, so. and that's that's how life goes. And then the Bucks <laughs> make a big signing or Gronk retires or whatever it might be. There's always something, something going on where, uh, you know, you think you have a plan set and then everything changes. It's like Mike Tyson said, you know, um, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And and yeah. that stuff changes. And one of the things that changed, and we talked about it a lot on yesterday's show, but Casey, since you are joining us today, mm-hmm. obviously the big news yesterday was Baker Mayfield got traded from the Browns, going to the NFC South, going to be playing for the Carolina Panthers. We suspect yeah. that he'll be the starter. Um, of course, there'll be that competition with Sam Darnold. Um, we talked about it a lot on yesterday's show, so I recommend everyone watching and listening. If you didn't check out that episode, please do, and make sure you like and subscribe as well. But, Casey, I'll ask you this. Does Baker Mayfield coming to the Panthers, does it really affect anything? Does it change anything for the Bucks' path to win the NFC South? Or um, do you think the Panthers in any way, shape, or form aren't going to upset the Bucs, but, you know, be a little bit more of an aggravation than they were, let's just say, the previous year. Right, if they pose more of a threat now. Um, wildly enough, I'm going to go with no. And that's not, you know, it's not it, it's not any disrespect to, to Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, I, I do have respect for the good things that he did with the Browns. I just think that it's one of those signings that, you know, they have to figure out how he's going to actually contribute to their system, the weapons that they have. You know, if anyone's kind of got a skimmy roster, it's going to be the Panthers when it comes to the NFC South. So I don't see him coming in and posing an immediate threat. The most that I see is that if the Bucks are not mentally on the field that day, 
the Panthers could potentially pull one over their eyes. And we've seen that with teams like I still can't get past the Washington Commandos beating the Bucks because they just didn't have their head on straight. So that's the only way that I see that happening because he is, you know, he likes to use his feet. Mobile quarterbacks can be an issue for the Bucks sometimes, but as long as they have their head on, you know, the Panthers are just going to still be clawing their way out of um, their situation. They have a couple of draft classes to get through before they rebuild solid. Right. And as you said, it's, it's any given Sunday, you know, any team can mm-hmm. lose to anyone at some point, you see upsets every single year. So I definitely don't think it's a situation by any means where, um, you know, where the Bucs can just stroll into Carolina or expect to, you know, be hung over on New Year's Day when the Panthers come to uh, <laughs> come to Tampa and just, you know, take it easy. You obviously have to prepare for it. I also don't think Baker's going to be as bad as everyone, you know, makes him out to be. I, like, yeah. He was obviously very, very injured last year, and I do think he's a gamer, and he's someone that maybe sometimes takes things a little bit too personally, but in the situation that he's in uh, right now, I, I, I think – it's not going to be a cakewalk for the Bucs. Ultimately, they'll win. But, you know, games in the division are always a little bit tougher. I want to give a shout-out to some people in the chats here. Common Sense, I said, what up, K-Huddy? And up? Tom Bucks fan, Casey, I want you to answer this in a moment. But Tom Bucks fan said, said that um, I saw a Celsius can, Casey. What flavor? I think, Casey, I uh, want to get your answer of what you're drinking in a moment. I think I could tell. But <laughs> I do want to tell everyone as well that the – sponsor the main sponsor of the pewter report podcast of course is celsius energy drinks and guys variety is everything with celsius so many great different flavors from the sparkling strawberry lemonade to the tropical peach vibe everything else in between they got seven essential vitamins no preservatives or artificial flavors or colors there's zero sugar and it gives you that energy that boost to get you through your day, whether you want to start a day of work, whether you have a uh, workout coming up, want to pump some iron, have some Celsius to give you that extra lift that you might need to go get through it and make sure that you order them off of Amazon, save $5. You can set up whether you want them sent to you every two weeks, three weeks, whatever it might be. So make sure you go to Celsius.com, find a store locator. You could buy it at your local bodega or order it on Amazon. As I said, so Million dollar question, Casey, what <laughs> type of Celsius are you drinking? I'm rocking the cucumber lime. And I know oh, that doesn't awesome. sound like the most appealing situation. Sorry, guys, this camera's like flipped on me. It doesn't sound like the most appealing situation, but Tom, to answer your question, it's cucumber lime. And if you are a Sprite person, which I didn't grow up on sodas or pop or whatever people call it. Like, I don't really do soda at all. But mm. if I did, it would be Sprite. And that's what the cucumber lime tastes like to me is like having a nice Sprite. And as you guys know, I get a little crazy on the Celsius on long days. I do <laughs> play with life and decide to have three cans when I don't need them. So the cucumber is like my end of the day. It feels a little bit more chill than, than the other ones. So I like it. I respect that. I got the uh, sparkling strawberry lemonade quickly moving up the ranks. I only had it for the first time a couple of weeks ago, but I very much enjoy it. You know, everyone likes that strawberry. uh, Yeah, strawberry lemonade, that that mix, you know, uh, talk about variety. And obviously lemonade is, is, you know, variety. You can get the pink lemonade or raspberry, whatever you want. So, And guys, it goes very well with tequila on holiday. Yes, of course. (laughs) Of course. And. Yeah, on holiday. Make sure uh, you got the day off and everything like that. Yeah. All right, Casey, let's get into this list of where the Bucks have the most depth. 
because mm -hmm. oh, also uh, just a nice comment here. Tropical vibes slaps. Agree. Tenfold. Yeah. Back to the positions, though, Casey. Uh, the topic of today's podcast is where the Bucks have the most depth. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a good conversation mm -hmm. because if we look at the entirety of the Bucks roster, there's a lot of talent. When you look at all the first string, you know, whether we're talking about Shaq Barrett, at edge rusher, Tom Brady, at quarterback, you know, there's a lot of superstars all over the place. But we saw yeah. with the Bucs last year, especially in that playoffs, when a lot of the receivers got hurt. And we'll talk about the receivers when you start getting lower and lower on that depth chart. Um, not all positions are created the same. You know, there is a, a scale with that. So. I think this is a fun conversation because, as I said earlier, I think there's there's four positions in particular that you can make the argument for that the Bucs have the best depth in a situation where if it's a one-game winner-take-all, you could be okay with the second or, or third-string guys. So let's mm -hmm. talk about one of the positions already. We can just go down the line from offense to defense. Like quarterback and running back, we know, all right, Tom Brady's the main guy. Mm -hmm. Blaine Gabbert might be up there as one of the best backups um, in the league, but quarterback doesn't really count for the depth because it's literally just one guy playing the position and you hope right. that Tom Brady is going to, to be that guy uh, running back wise. We're all very high on Rashad white. He was on the show the other day. Uh, everyone make sure you check out that episode. If you mm -hmm. didn't watch that, but at the end of the day, he's a rookie. Gio Bernard had injuries last year. Um, he's on the wrong side of 30. Is it one of those things where he's declining? I think we know what we can get from him, but mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't really run the ball anymore. He's specifically an offense, uh, a receiving <clears throat> running back in this offense. And Keyshawn Vaughn hasn't taken his game to the next level yet. He's kind of mm -hmm. more of just a guy and I don't want to be insulting to him, but you know, he's there just as in, in case this guy, this guy, and this guy gets injured. So I don't think right. depth wise, Bucks have the best at running back, but I do think a wide receiver, I think that's the first position where we can really make the case that the Bucks have the most depth on this team. You go down the list, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, that's the big three right there. All right. Those are the ones that are going to take the Bucks offensively to that 30 point threshold to win the division and keep moving up. Uh, after that, a lot of this has to go on with guys taking that next step. Tyler Johnson, you want to see what he can do. Yes. Scotty Miller um, looked great, but has to stay healthy. Jalen Darden looks great when there's not pads on. Can he keep that going? I think it's a little bit of a question of can these guys up their games a little bit? But if they can, and let's remember, too, Rashad Perryman is in the mix. You have a couple of undrafted free agents are possible. And mm -hmm. we spent a lot of yesterday's podcast talking about potentially signing Julio Jones or um, Odell Beckham Jr. So, Casey, I'll ask you, just give us your overall view of the Bucks at wide receiver. And do they already have good enough depth, in your opinion? Or, and if they bring in someone like Odell or Julio, does that kind of just take the cake for it? Love this question for so many reasons. But I'll start with the fact that and I see a couple of people are kind of asking like, okay, is this a numerical thing or is this depth in terms of who you can rely on? It's kind of a both thing because last year they didn't really have another number to call when they got extremely depleted in certain groups. And regardless, you've got to be able to put somebody in that position and let it rip. So in terms of the wide receiver group, you got Mike Evans 
I, I trust that Chris Godwin is going to bounce back. Science and medical field is just so different these days. And we've seen so many guys, you know, do well in their recovery and his teammates are, are standing by that. Then you've got Russell Gage, who if everybody saw on social media, what was it yesterday? Yesterday, even this morning, my days are kind of getting cloudy here with the holiday, but <laughs> there's, you know, they're saying how underrated he is and how highly everybody was speaking about it on social media yesterday was like, look, you're about to see some things this season that's going to put this guy in, in a solid position and become a huge contributor for the Bucks. And I'm banking on that. Because then once you get below Russell Gage is where I just want to cry in my shoe. I don't trust Tyler <laughs> Johnson. Uh, I understand it takes time to develop. That's awesome. Everybody has their own path and production rate. But, you know, Tyler has got to really show up this season or else he's going he's gonna to put a job on the line. Enough is enough at this rate. He knows what he needs to work on. This should have been a really big offseason for him. Bottom line. Skyler, we've seen do things here and there. He lacks consistency, whether it's because of health or trust. So, again, another big training camp for him that has to turn into the season. The problem for guys like Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller are people like Cyril Grayson, who started to really catch a hot streak at the end of last season for his, you know, his little injury or whatever. And he might be coming in hot, which would be awesome. And then Rashad Perriman. I would genuinely like to see more of like a Evans- Godwin, Gage, Grayson, Perriman lineup. And then, mm. yeah, you have guys who can kind of bank it out after that in terms of Miller, Johnson, and Darden. We all know what I think about Darden, so I won't go off on that tangent today. I'm feeling kind. But, you know, aside from that, there's quality depth in the wide receiver room. I think that we can all breathe a little easier this season as long as everybody stays healthy and the rotation that they can put into place with this wide receiver group. Yeah, it feels to me, as I said, you already got the big three, or at least the big mm -hmm. two. I see some people like uh, Tony isn't all uh, you know all about Russell Gage this year. He says Gage and his forty yards a game is all hype, and I, I think that's fair to a degree. Mm -hmm. You know, he's had a solid career with the Falcons, and again, for the most part, being in that third wide receiver role up until this year when um, you know. Uh, Calvin Ridley missed time and Julio Jones obviously wasn't on the team anymore. I think mm -hmm. it's one of those things. There's just so many players like in competition at training camp that yeah. eventually the cream will rise to the top. And like one of these guys will have to, to make an impact. I hear what you're saying about Perryman. And I didn't even mention a uh, serial Grayson jr. A minute ago. He could be the entire X factor to this whole thing because mm -hmm. He was the man when everyone else was injured, except for yep. Mike Evans towards the end. So if he just picks up where he left off, I think we'd all feel fantastic about the depth at the at the wide receiver position for the Bucks. But I, I do think a lot of this is that you know the um, it's all good. I think a lot of this is that the foundation has been laid down where. And again, I'm excluding like the main three guys. We've seen the other people. Darden, who we talked about, um, where he looked good at times and didn't look good when we really wanted to see him be at his best. Um, Scotty, where, yeah, he can go deep. Is he going to start making those other plays, though? The foundation is there. The 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 blueprint is there for, you know, players that um, – for players that have talent, maybe haven't put it entirely together. So – you are going out a little bit on a limb to just be like, it's one thing, okay, we have a lot of names that we know, but does it make it the best depth on this team? 
I don't think we'll be able to answer that until maybe um, a month into the season. Because if right. you're getting the same Tyler Johnson that you got last year and the same, and I'll just put this as productivity because I understand Scotty Miller was injured for a lot of it. But if you get the same productivity from Scotty where the Bucks coaching staff doesn't even want to put him on the field, mm-hmm. then I don't think you can say that the Bucks have the best depth. They just have a lot of names of people that have contributed in the past but aren't necessarily pulling their own weight this season. Yeah, no, and I absolutely agree with that. And I know that there's some skepticism behind Gage, but, you know, it wasn't just Mike Evans that was saying that this guy is such a like a go-getter on the field. The whole wide receiving room, when they found out about the Gage signing, spoke on the fact that they would stand on the sidelines and really admire his athleticism and capability. And then if you kind of look at the Falcons roster, whom they had, like you have to think about how people get their opportunity to rise up. He was really limited in, in his production rate. And we kind of touched on this on the last – podcast I chatted about together like if he gets 85 receptions you know what he did with 66 receptions was within range of what Chris Godwin would do with 66 receptions in terms of his yardage so if he's given the opportunity to show up on this team I do actually have you know faith and confidence that we're going to see Russell Gage contribute and Again, Tom Brady is banking on that. He didn't sit here and give this guy any cushion coming into this team. He said, you have to perform. And he hasn't even put that kind of pressure on the guys who should be performing because they've been in this system for two, three years now. So to put that on a guy who's just now coming in, you can count on the fact that Brady is seeing something in him and relying on something in him. Um, And then, yeah, like you said, Grayson, as long as he just picks up from where he left off, I'm so comfortable with that. And I feel like he'll excel because he's somebody who will have more time within this system, more time to learn, more time to improve. Rashad Perriman needs to work on his hands. I was a big fan of his. And I had moments where I thought he was going to come in way larger for the Bucs. But again, if he works on that, then that's fabulous. But yeah, I agree with you 100% in terms of like depth by number versus depth you know, by name and stuff. By quality, quality versus quantity, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but I you, everybody knows who saw on the podcast. I wanted us to draft a wide receiver. Yep. I was looking to add to this group, add some competitive fire to it so that guys can't just sit there and, you know, rest on their morals and come off the offseason doing the same old, same old that they've been doing in the previous season, the season before that. So fingers crossed. Everybody knows what their role is. Yeah. And I wouldn't even rule out them adding another veteran, as we talked about before with Odell or or, or Julio. Mm-hmm. Getting those R's together was a little tough. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just can't speak on this Thursday. I wouldn't necessarily rule that out, but I also think the game changes now with Gronk retiring because – I do think the Bucs could use another veteran player. We actually had another podcast on this. I believe it was myself and Josh Capo. And before Gronk retired, I think it would just be a situation where, okay, you could say outside linebacker for sure, outside of the top three, and then maybe uh, you get a veteran for that fourth spot, someone that um, could really get after the passer. Because I know someone I saw today that the – I think the Ravens re-signed Justin Houston, and that was a guy that we kind of had on our radar of, ooh, he would be a good signing with the Bucs because you could put him out there 15 times and he can get after the quarterback. The point I'm trying to make, though, is now that Gronk has retired, the priority of bringing in a veteran guy, I think wide receiver moves to, like, third in terms of priority. I would put tight end first, edge rusher second, and then wide receiver. But, of course, there's only so much money to go around, so... Yeah, if you already have that veteran person in there, 
I don't know if, um, you know, wide receiver will necessarily be the case. I want to get to some comments here from people. Um, Adam says, if Gage gets 500 plus yards and five touchdowns, would that be a successful season? I wouldn't mind those numbers at all. Yeah, I I think that would be fine. Um, It would have to... It would have to depend on like what Mike is doing and what Chris is doing, and if the Bucks really commit to to running the ball more, which we've heard and w- what the Bucks have you know talked about. But seeing is believing, so right. um, I think that production total would be fine. I think you'd like to see the yards go up a little bit more, but I understand yeah, by two hundred. So I would say, I mean, look, five touchdowns—that's amazing. You would want to see that kind of contribution. But if he was averaging 700 yards with the Falcons, and now Tom Brady's your quarterback, he needs to break 786 yards. Yeah, I hear <laughs> that. Uh, Common Sensei says, <clears throat> "I think we should mention the Rashad White factor as a slot guy sometimes." Yeah, that's something that Rashad White spoke about uh, on mm-hmm. the Pewter Report podcast, where Scott essentially straight up asked him. You know, will you line up outside and and you know, do you feel comfortable about that? And he said, like, yeah, you know, it's something that they've they've talked about and something that he feels comfortable with. I and he talked about a lot that he doesn't enjoy the comparisons in general. Um, when you talk about him compared to there was like Eric Dickerson, there was Debo San Debo Samuel, who doesn't even play running back, he, he's a wide receiver. And Rashad White essentially said that he wants to be looked at as just a playmaker. And that's what Debo gets. He's a playmaker. He's a, a weapon on offense. You know, he can do a number, a number of different things. He's just an athlete. I think mm-hmm. we'll kind of get that with Rashad white um, in terms of depth. He's still going to be a running back, but yeah, I could totally see him. I don't know how many times he would do it a game, but I'm not going to throw Rashad white into the wide receiver uh, depth category. But he yeah. definitely could get snaps there and make an impact on this offense. No, I completely agree. And I think we saw that when, you know, the wide receiver group got a bit depleted last season due to injury, they were kind of relying on their running back up a bit to, you know, expand upon certain plays and to throw in some versatility to alleviate the wide receiver group. So you definitely have to stay ready in, in that sense. I mean, we saw Lenny come up with some creative plays with Tom Brady while he was remaining healthy and stuff. So Definitely a thing that you have to be prepared for. We also have to take into consideration that, you know, it's not going to be Bruce Arians as the head guy heading into the season. Yep. It's going to be Todd Bowles. So we don't particularly know what his his vantage point is going to be and how he wants to utilize certain people in certain place. Now, those kind of opportunities do you better when you're within that 50, like within that halfway point of the field, within the 50-yard line. And if he's willing to step up and do that, that's awesome. But I don't see it becoming like his predominant role, like needing wide, like needing running backs to contribute to the wide receiver group. There's enough potential in the wide receiver group for them to just do what they need to do. Yeah, I, I agree. Emily here says, "My main man, Grayson, thumbs up." Or maybe she's telling us to telling everyone to hit the like button. She says, "Hi Matt, <laughs> hi Casey, hit hey. that like button." A reminder again, please like and subscribe. Thumbs up. Helps us with our algorithm. Doesn't cost you a damn thing. Just helps us out and lets you know when uh, Peter Report is going live. There's another, yeah, good comment here as well from Chris. He says, if Grayson balls out this preseason, Scotty or TJ is gone. I don't necessarily think that Scotty or Tyler Johnson would be out of here. One, because Scotty can play special teams. He proved that last year. So I think 
if Ciro moves up the depth chart, Scotty will still be okay. Um, Tyler Johnson, maybe not as much, but I still think he would make the roster over someone like Brashad Perryman, with all due respect uh, to you, yeah. Casey. I, um, <laughs> I'm I just a realist. Think, I just think, like, still being on a rookie contract, still kind of hoping, like, oh, maybe he'll reach his potential, where Perryman's more like, he's been there, done that, yeah, hasn't really lived up to expectations, so... Uh, I, I, I don't see that neither of them necessarily being gone. I wouldn't rule it out, but I think Scotty's uh, ability to play special teams really helps. I could see one of them being gone because depending on what the game plan is heading into, you know, the next season, if somebody's not producing and you have a better chance of putting money and time behind, again, a new guy, maybe somebody out of the draft or something or a trade option, that just might be more beneficial. But you're right. You make a great point about Scotty Miller and knowing how I feel about the Darden situation and everything else, I feel like Scotty can truly contribute when it comes down to it or actually be relied on a lot more in special teams. Um, but Tyler Johnson's really on thin ice. He has to really produce this year. He's been there long enough. He should know this system. He's been trusted with key moments. He has shown up in some key moments, but he has to really, really bring it. Uh, one, one system that everyone should really know about is the underdog fantasy drafting system and going to play Best Ball Mania 3, where you can win up to $10 million in prizes. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football. You draft your team, no in-season management, get the optimal score each week of the season, and you have a shot at that $10 million in their Best Ball Mania 3. You don't have to worry about the bye weeks, what defense you're playing against. You just set it and forget it. Uh, head to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store now. Sign up with the promo code Pewter, and Underdog Fantasy is going to match your first deposit up to $100. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy. Sign up with the promo code Pewter. Draft your best, best ball Mania 3 team today. They also got a lot of awesome pickums, which you can use during the football season. You can use it with baseball right now. Mets had a great comeback win yesterday, <laughs> scoring in the bottom uh, top of the ninth, and then scoring like five runs in extra innings to go win that game. But you could do pickums in baseball, whether you think this guy and this guy are going to get a hit. Scott loves to do it with hockey. You know, he'd bet the over on Steven Stamko shots and maybe Victor Hedman shots and stuff like that. So when hockey comes back, you could do it there too. And yeah. um, again, it's one of the easiest places where you can go and play uh, fantasy football. You just pick an over under on your favorite or least favorite player stats. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog Fantasy keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em slip. Get every pick right and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the promo code Pewter. Get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog Fantasy. This next position that we're going to talk about, Casey, mm -hmm. overall is the underdog unsung heroes of really any team because we all love the guys that score the touchdowns and make the big plays down the field but that doesn't get done without the offensive line all right they're in the trenches making sure tom brady's staying upright so mike evans can get down the field and damn it the tampa bay buccaneers have one of the best offensive lines in football and that will continue again this season as i bang my fist on my table all the 100s for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, we know, again, on the surface, offensive line, fantastic. Ryan Jensen at center. 
Shaq Mason at guard. Tristan Wirfs, future Hall of Famer. Jesus. There, I said it. Yeah. Future Hall of Famer at tackle. <laughs> Left guard is going to be that competition, but I think that helps with the overall depth with the Bucks. whether it's going to be Aaron Stinney, whether it's going to be Luke Gedeke, whether it's going to be Nick Leverett, Robert Hainsey, who's the backup center, but may also mm-hmm. be the starting guard. So you have a lot of guys there, and then, of course, you have Donovan Smith anchoring it down at left tackle. So, again, the starters, you got a lot of great players there. But we're talking about that depth. Whoever doesn't win the left guard position is going to be that first guy off the bench, even if something happens to Shaq Mason. So Leverett is a player that got a little bit of time last year in that indie game because Aaron Stindy was already in, and then he got hurt. Leverett has played guard. He played tackle. He got some snaps in at center last preseason when he had never played it before. Mm-hmm. Hainsey moving around too. So I, I think there's room for, um, you know, multiple uh, players to to make an impact on this team. And you look at the tackle position, Josh Wells got in there last year when, um, you know, Tristan Wirfs got hurt. Yeah. I think overall he's a serviceable offensive tackle. And then you got Fred Johnson, who who they signed. Just a mammoth human being. He's like gigantic just looking at him. So, Casey, I don't know about you, but I think offensive line makes a pretty good case in terms of depth uh, as one of the best on the Bucks. Oh, for many reasons. Because, you know, all of the people that you have named have so much quality and potential to contribute to this to this team, to contribute in every game, number one. Number two, this is one of the best O-lines in the league, hands down, regardless of Kappa no longer being a part of it, because there was always an argument to be made. Was Kappa really that good, or was he as good as the guy playing to the left and the right of him? Then my favorite part that you kind of touched on, and I feel like we have talked about on this podcast between you know Scott, JC, um, John, when he was with us, you, myself, is this is an O-line. This is a, a group of guys where – they kind of bring in bring in a guy who you know played guard or who played top, played something very specific, but has the versatility and the ability to switch sides or to go somewhere else along the line. So not one guy is just particularly skilled in one part of the offensive line, which is huge because when certain things take place in games, you could really kind of plug and play anybody in. So when we first discussed, you know, this being the topic of today's podcast, it was like, wow. Offensive line was the first group that came to mind for me because they really not only have the most outstanding depth, but they actually have guys that you can rely on past, you know, you know, the third guy on the list, the fourth guy on the list, the fifth guy on the list. Everybody here has something to offer and can really step in and contribute. We saw Donovan Smith really play some of his best football yet, which is great. Jensen is the guy that you want in front of you no matter what, because not only is he going to protect you at all costs, but he's also going to be that guy who throws it on the field if somebody messes with his quarterback. And we all love to see it when Big Red gets all spicy on the field. And I'm really psyched to see what's going to take place with Jack Mason, because when when Tom Brady is doing the recruiting himself, that trust factor, something you and I have discussed at length as well, when Tom Brady makes a decision based off of trust and accountability, then that's only going to make him a better player at his position and everybody else just kind of aligned. So this group of guys, the offensive line for the Tampa Bucks is probably one of my favorite group depths to look at. And just in terms of like the most solid and held together position group of this team, O-line's got it all day. Yeah, there's not too many, I think, offensive lines across the, the league where you lose the two guards right next to you. And again, Ali Marpet is a, I mean, quality is an understatement, like one of the best offensive linemen yes. that they had. And he left like without 
anyone really expecting it, you know, where <laughs> sometimes if you know you have an older player, you game plan for the future. Like for the Rams, Andrew Whitworth, the tackle, yeah. he was playing because he wanted to win a Super Bowl. And when the Rams won, you could kind of figure out, okay, he's probably going to retire. So you already have mm-hmm. that contingency plan in place. The Bucks didn't have that with Ali Marpet because you didn't expect him to retire like that. And it, and you know, that's nothing on Allie. When you want to stop playing, you stop playing. He yes. obviously earned it. Um, but then that goes double the fact that Alex Kappa is a free agent. And there was talks about whether or not he was going to be on the team in the first place. So the fact that the Bucks seems like there's going to be no drop off much. I, I can't say whatsoever because there still is a little bit of chemistry that goes into place. Yeah. And I think the Bucks will get that by the time training camp is done. I just think it speaks to the talent of this team when you look at the guy in the middle, Ryan Jensen, and the two guys on the outside with Donovan Smith and Tristan Warfs. Like you have mm-hmm. that foundation there that's going to be great. And also, Bucks offensive line, you know, those are one of the first guys that I would probably if I was getting into in a bar fight with like other people, I would <laughs> want them on my side. You know, Jensen gets in everyone's face. Tristan Wirfs is jumping out of pools. I think he just got a deal with uh I saw it on his Insta story. It was like Bush Light or it was a beer company, but you know. One of them, yeah. I can't remember which one. <laughs> they sent him like a care package and everything. <laughs> um, yeah, probably those two guys. I think Vita Vea, I know, not an offensive lineman, but I'd throw him into the mix just because he's crazy. All athletic. linemen. Yeah. Yeah. But this well. is all I'm trying to say is I just think this offensive line is is truly going to be um Something maybe special. even better. Yeah, I think maybe even better. Than last season, because yeah. sure, there's no replacing Ali Marpet, but the upgrade that you get with Shaq Mason over um, Alex Kappa and the Bucks wanting to to run the ball mm-hmm. even more, I, I think we're going to see a better team. I uh, do want to give a shout out to this man real quick because he's celebrating his one year up. Oh, he just left. Never mind. It's going to bring someone <laughs> on the show. Uh, I will say it next. I don't know if he's going to be back or not. Um, just want to give a shout out to fellow Peter Report content creator, um, Pewter Report Aww. writer, J.C. Allen. It is his one-year anniversary of being with Pewter Report. So oh, congrats JC. to J.C. He's done an awesome job since he's been here. And happy yeah. anniversary to him. Uh, he might be popping on the show in a little bit to uh, you know receive his bouquet of flowers and everything like that. But um, congrats Very to J.C. on one year with PewterReport.com. Yes, you heard and for me everybody mention- who gives JC a hard time, he deserves the acknowledgement. He deserves all the accolades because JC is a grinder when it comes to helping with stories and content and keeping everybody privy to all things that's going on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He loves, 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 loves to be on top of things to make sure that you guys know what's going on all the time. So JC honestly is probably one of the most awesome human beings you can have on your squad to be all bucked out and all about pewter. And he's just an amazing contributor. So happy. Yes, he is very kind (laughs) words from you, Casey. And um, (laughs) the next position we're going to talk about, you heard me mention Vita Vea, the defensive line. If I had to pick one of these four, I think I'm probably going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line. Um, and I would say this, whether Ndamukong Sue was here or whether it's Akeem Hicks that's here. Um, I think Vita Vea having him in the middle, and I'm talking about the interior defensive line, so Shaq Barrett mm-hmm. does not count, JTS does not count, neither does Anthony Nelson. But you look at that uh, that group in the middle. 
with Vita Vea, just signed that contract, a top 10 defensive lineman. If you ask ESPN, they just did an article about that. And uh, Vita's within the top 10. I won't give away exactly where he is. So make sure you click on that story. But you got Vita Vea there, Akeem Hicks. I think we're all extremely excited for him. But even outside of that, Will Golston going into his 10th year, ju- does jujitsu. Just had his career high in sacks last year. Maybe some of that had to do with the uh, the movements of jujitsu. <laughs> Nacho is that energizer bunny. Even if he plays, and he gets a significant amount of snaps, but even if he plays in one series, you know Nacho is going to be on the field because he brings that energy. And then yeah. Logan Hall, the second round pick, but the Bucks' first pick of of that draft. I think everyone's very excited about him. I, this goes against saying like, oh, Rashad White's a rookie. We don't know what we're going to get from him. You could argue that with Logan Hall, but I think it's also important to point out that, um, you know, Hall's a little more polished, I would say. He's got that good mm-hmm. first step. Um, the Bucks wanted a defensive lineman that's going to go after the, the the quarterback and have some better pass rushing moves that, that Sue had. So I yeah. think across the board, and you, you got Benning as well, Potuai. I can't really pronounce his name that great, but um, <laughs> you know he's another big guy that's in there that's trying to make this team. I just think no matter what, even if one guy goes down, they have everyone in there that can, you know, help keep the ship up upright and afloat until everyone gets healthy. So I, I have yeah. the D line up there as one of the best in terms of depth on this whole roster. Yeah. And I mean, they're another part of this team where they have the opportunity to kind of plug and play. You know, you mentioned Nacho just kind of being a grinder out there. But the reality of it is if you look at tape of Nacho last year in the season, previous, he's really stepped up a lot. So he's a player to keep an eye on and see how much more he's going to mature within his, you know, his game and his athleticism and what he could potentially bring to it. And as passionate as he is about the Bucs and staying in Tampa and playing for this team, you know, he mentioned that in a few press conferences last season that, you know, this is where he wants to be. This is where he wants to play. And I think that he's only just going to up the ante a bit more this season. Now with the, with, with Paul alongside on the team, like you mentioned what the Bucs were looking for within the draft class when adding to the defensive line, they wanted a guy who was explosive. They wanted a guy that was going to pack a punch when he got his hands on you. And Paul's supposed to be the guy who can, who has the ability to do that. And Vita Vea, we've seen what he can do and bouncing back from his injury and making an impact right away. I mean, he had a heck of a game when he first returned from his injury and Vita Vea is always that guy you can rely on, on that defensive so this is another group where I have a lot of confidence in their way and what they can contribute and what their depth looks like. Um, it doesn't go as far down the depth chart as the offensive line, in my opinion, but it's still stealthy enough. And hopefully it can alleviate Vita Bay a little bit this season where he's not constantly taking on two guys and tearing his limbs apart just to get through. But, you know, you want those guys that don't feel that in the moment and they're going to do it, put their head down and get the job done. And that's where I feel Hicks might make the biggest impact is the fact Mm -hmm. that you can't just double team Vita now. And he's going to create so many issues where if they have to double team him, he's just going to open up so many lanes, whether it's Vita, whether it's Shaq Barrett, who I mentioned before, you really have to pick your poison when it comes to going up against this Buccaneers defensive line. And that's before Todd Bowles decides to, you know, throw the kitchen sink in there and have Devin White blitz up the middle or, you know, whoever it might be. So I love that you mentioned that because I feel like because of who's on the roster and the depth that the the defensive line has now, (laughs) I'm struggling with words today too. 
I, I am anticipating a little bit more creativity in terms of what this defensive line is going to deliver to an opponent. Yeah, I hear you. And I agree. I think there's going to be uh, multiple different things that the Bucks can do. We've already seen Todd Bowles do insane things like drop Vita Vea back in coverage or when Adam Kinsu was on the team, uh, line them up on the outside, <laughs> blitz off the edge. So you're going to see even more things that, the Bucs can do on defense because while they're already quick and can do a lot of things, they got even quicker now, you know, with Logan Hall in there and, and Hicks having a little bit more of a pass rushing prowess that, that the Bucs would really like it. And in terms of the depth, which again is the main topic of this podcast, I think you got to look back at the 2020 season. And I understand they have new guys this year with Hicks and Hall, who we, we just talked about. But that 2020 season, Vita Vea didn't play more than five games. You know, he, he had that he had that leg injury. Thankfully, he was able to come back for the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. But Casey, let's remember, Vita missed a majority of that regular season. And the Bucs still went in there, had a great interior front, led the league in, in stopping the run again. And, like, that's already something you only have to think twice about like the box are going to be great at stopping the run. That's not going to change with the Domkin Sue not in there. They're still going to be right. number one at worst, number five in terms of going to stop the run. So you already have half the battle down. So I think the Bucks have already proven on the defensive line that they've been able to just keep the rotation going. Even when they missed their best defensive lineman, their best nose tackle on this team, they kept it going and still were very formidable. So I see them again, being great at stopping the run, opening up a couple more one-on-one pass rushing opportunities for the guys out on the edge. And yes. it could, you know, make the whole difference for this team here. And speaking of the team, we're going to bring on another team member in just a moment. You heard us talking about him before. I guess his internet connection is working now. Ladies and gentlemen, celebrating his one-year anniversary with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it is J.C. Allen. JC, congratulations, buddy. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, Absolutely. It's been an amazing privilege and honor just to be part of a team with with yourselves and with, you know, Scott and John, who abandoned us. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, uh, And everyone else, Josh, Paul, you know, even even the other, Kyle, Cliff, behind the scenes, Allison, who you guys don't know. It's been amazing to be on this. And thank you guys for the kind words. Thanks, everyone out there. But I'm in here to talk about where they have the least and most depth. Where do we leave off? So wait, can we get his opinion really quick on the first two? Yeah, like yeah. So, version? yeah. So we've been talking yeah. about the most depth on this team. And I think we could really there's four positions that you can make the argument for that have the most depth. Uh mm-hmm. we just finished the first three. We talked about wide receiver, um, offensive line, and defensive line. So that's where we've gone so far. Yeah, so I have offensive line number one, defensive line two, and wide receiver three. I just think if you look on the offensive line, the biggest weakness is, as far as depth is tackle. And I think Josh Wells and Fred Johnson going into the camp this year, uh, they're going to battle it out for that backup spot. But if you look along the interior, forget about it. I mean, they're just loaded. Whoever loses that battle out of Stinney and Gadecki is going to be a nice option to have. Leverett can play all five spots along the line. They've got Robert Hainsey, who's going to be in the guard mix a little bit, and is also the backup center. So there's so much depth there. And then going to the defensive line, I mean, you just look at the rotation that they have. I mean, they drafted Logan Hall, who was going to be the starter until they brought in Akeem Hicks, who 
is now going to be an absolute stud next to Via Veda. I, I, I cannot wait to see those two together. And then Raheem Nunez Rochas is no one to scoff at. Will Golston, as well as a, as a heck of a player, has improved every year in Todd Bowles' defense with five sacks last year. And then Pat O'Connor has steadily gotten better. And I'm a big I'm a big fan of Benning Potowae, who will probably land on the practice squad again. So I think that's loaded. Wide receiver is tricky, right? Because you have three guys you know who are going to be locks to be to pretty much be good. But after that, it's such a crapshoot. Is Scotty Miller the same Scotty Miller before the turf toe in 2020? Can Cyril Grayson continue his ascension to make that jump? How useful can Brashad Perriman be? He had that nice catch and run to win the game, but is he going to be able to factor in every down and be a special teams contributor? Jalen Darden, the ultimate wild card. We hyped him up last year. We semi-hyped him up this year already just watching him. So it's like there's so much uncertainty after the top three, but it could easily vault up to one of the top spots if all the, if everyone progresses and it pays off like it should. Clip yeah, notes. that's that's kind. Of, yeah, that's kind of what we are talking about in terms of all three. So I have the the defensive line as number one in terms of of the best depth on this team, and and I think a lot of it is because you already have a lot of established guys, and then you bring in like the extra punch with with Logan Hall and what he can go right. and be. But to your point about the the wide receivers, a lot of it comes down to is it, can those guys bring their game up to the next level. Like if Cyril yes. Grayson Jr. plays like the Grayson that he was in that Panthers game and in that Jets game before he got hurt, then I feel great about the depth on the offensive line and as on the at wide receiver. And if Scotty Miller can be the Scotty Miller that he was, you know, in in, uh, in OTAs but before he got hurt. So it's one of those, if those guys can prove it, then you could say that wide receiver is the number one option in terms of best depth on this team but they had like that's an answer we won't really get until september or october same thing with right. the offensive line a little bit different but i hear you on the skepticism of the the, the backup tackles but the, the offensive lineman whoever wins that left guard job is without question going to earn it and then you just have an awesome right you know second and third <laughs> string there depending on who doesn't win the job that can yeah. play multiple positions not just left guard See, I had the offensive line first, the wide receiver group second, and the D-line third. And the only reason I have that is because kind of like you said, like it's really contingent upon how training camp goes. If the wide receiver group steps up, the potential is there. There's enough names in, in that right. room to, to do well and almost like level off with the offensive line. The problem is, you know, Matt and I kind of spoke about this. Once you get below Russ Gates, there's just like a lot of question marks there in terms of who's actually going to show up who's going to produce and who's right. really going to be a quality factor this season. And it would be the most disappointing group. If I'm being honest, if the wide receiver group comes in and they don't really display a lot of contribution and progress. That'll be the most disappointing group of this entire team. And the defensive line, you guys have said everything that I'm possible that anyone could possibly think in terms of these guys, the depths there, the grinders are there, the people that, you know, you don't, talk about all the time really have shown up in the last couple of seasons. Um, Notch was one of them that I was talking about JC before you hopped on and Logan Hall, I think is going to be the rookie of the year. I'm kind of, I don't oh. know if it's too quick to throw that out there now. And sometimes I say, I say, some cool. make that statement. I stand by Logan. it, but I'm going to stand by this one. I that Logan Hall is going to be that dude. Well, yeah, he has a very Tristan Wirfs, um, like 
character to him. I don't know if that makes sense the way that I'm saying it, but the way I'm that just works looking at the hair. <laughs> no, it's not the hair. It's the way that works came in. He didn't say too much. He didn't soft spoken. Definitely. He's very soft spoken. Right. Yes. And then he just kind of turned into this animal on the field. And this is the speculation that we've been hearing. If you watched his tape in college, you saw glimmers of what he could possibly translate into the NFL and make it and how he can make an impact. I think he's going to be that guy. So in terms of excitement, I'm really excited to see what the D line produces. I think the offensive line is going to keep their, you know, their trophy of being the best in the game. And I think the wide receiving group has the most pressure on them to produce, but they have a lot of depth in terms of numbers and capability. Yeah, I mean, that's fair points all across the board. <laughs> I think one thing for me with the wide receiver group and why I have them last is just because of Tom Brady. I mean, if we're looking at it, Cyril Grayson, maybe Jalen Darden, Tyler Johnson, they're fighting for the last spot on a, on a roster. Scotty Miller even, last spot mm -hmm. on a roster, maybe a practice squad if it's not for this guy who can elevate their game. And I think that's what's such an important part of what Tom Brady brings is his elevation to hold everybody accountable, to give, have everybody give their best out on the field to um, just – Bring every, I mean, Cyril Grayson's story that he told about how he was getting, you know, down on himself after drops and everything, and Brady pulled him off, off to the side, and you know, Brady's barking at him too over the drops, but then pulls him off to the side. That's just that levels up players, and there's some quarterbacks who can do that. There's some quarterbacks who can't. Brady's one of them, and if he has his his hold on these wide receivers, I mean, like I said, that could end up being the number one group. Yeah. A lot of great points made, and another great thing that you could do is manage your money with Immuni Financial. At Immuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations, we're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track, so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. Dude, the best time to go to Rada would be this summer, is it not? Right. <laughs> but hey. No. But guys, uh, <laughs> well, maybe not with the, the avalanche with the cup, but outside yeah. of that, Colorado, great place to go to. And when you're managing your family's wealth, Go to Immuni Financial because it's simply more than just allocating your assets. Peter Report and Scott Reynolds trust Immuni Financial with our investments and retirement funds. You should trust them too. Call 1-800-868-6864 and talk to David or Mark. They're awesome people over there because they'll tell you about all the different kinds of services that they have. There is legacy planning, brokerage, and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and much more. Once again, that's 1-800-868-6864 and get started with Immuni Financial today. All right. Can we talk to you about changing that commercial to Champa Bay instead of Colorado? Yeah, well, I guess they'd have to move their headquarters. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if they can necessarily go. Who do I write that. a letter to? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not a Karen. Um. Okay. As we go along the uh, the rest of the defense here, um, in terms of who has the best depth, I have one more in mind, but we can just go through the next couple to, you know, uh, not have them on the list. I think with linebacker, 
we know how fantastic Levante David is and how much athleticism, everything Devin White has brought to this team <laughs> that we hope that he can become. Um, but outside of that, you're trusting two, uh, you know, second-year linebackers that have made their bones on special teams and they're doing great there, but there's still a lot of uncertainty with them at inside linebacker where if they have to go into a game and play significant time, uh, I don't feel the best about that. So I think we can no. kind of cross them off of the list. Um, next goes to – oh, sorry, outside linebacker as well. Shaq's same. great. We know, it's the same thing. Yeah. We like the first three, but outside of that, is it is it Cam Gill? Is it, you know – Door number three with whatever veteran comes in. Until they figure that out, they can't be on the list for right. for the best depth. I think there's uh, so more question marks along, there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Moving along, cornerback. Carlton Davis, we all know, shut down, number one corner, needs to get more interceptions. Jamel Dean took another step, was a lot more successful, playing for that next contract. Don't know if he's going to get it. Um, but after that, again, Sean Murphy Bunting struggled heavily uh logan ryan we'll talk about in a moment he's going to be a hybrid so i kind of have him geared a little bit more towards you know just an overall secondary defensive back not just mm -hmm. the corners themselves but then you go down that list i don't necessarily have the corners as the best depth but the safety position i think it's the fourth group that you can make an argument for because you have antoine winfield jr who just made his first pro bowl is very much on the cusp of becoming an all-pro, one of the best defensive players on this team. Mike Edwards, the ball hawk, sure, hasn't been a full-time starter, but this man gets turnovers more than anyone else on this team. Um, <laughs> Keanu Neal, I think, going back to his natural position of safety, replaces a little bit of what Jordan Whitehead does, and if he can stay healthy, I think he'll be a great asset to this team. And then Logan Ryan, again, going to be moving around, playing that nickel corner, if you if you categorize him as a safety, I think without question, up there with the best of the best in terms of depth of the Bucks roster. If you want to say he's a corner, that's fine too. I still think the the overall safety position is pretty strong um, with some of the players I just mentioned. Casey, how do you feel about that? I I think you make a great point. I mean, especially when looking at all the other groups on this team, safety now has more kind of a little bit more gumption behind them. You would expect a bigger season out of Mike Edwards. The fact that they have Anton Winfield Jr., who seems like he's just getting started in his career is, you know, says a lot in itself. Um, the versatility that some of these players can bring in, in terms of switching between safety and cornerback still loads up that safety position. So I can't disagree with anything, honestly, that you say there. I feel like, they know how they need to step up this season. They know where they can really make more of an impact uh, as a unit. Um, they kind of just got by in a lot of the circumstances last season. So I really want to see them be a lot more aggressive and make their presence a lot more dominant and known. If they do that, then, yeah, I'd rank them at four. JC? I, I'm going to disagree with you both. I think cornerback has more depth, and I'll tell you why. I love the safety group. Nobody's a bigger Antoine Winfield Jr. stand than I am. I think he's going to be an all-pro player this year after recording his first Pro Bowl. But after that, there's question marks all over the place. I mean, Logan Ryan's old, another year older. Has he lost a step? How is he going to be in coverage? Wasn't the best in, at free safety with his tenure with the Giants. Keanu Neal played linebacker for half the year with Dallas. So he's moving back to his normal position. But he's also been faced with a myriad of injuries throughout his career. 
Mike Edwards has been a ball hawk, yes, but he's been an inconsistent ball hawk. Um, and, you know, it kind of disappears in some games as well. And he's going to be playing. Is he playing strong safety? Is he playing free safety? Is it going to be an interchangeable type of deal like that where sometimes both of those safeties are playing at the line? I don't know. I don't think that suits Mike Edwards' game the best. As for cornerback, we already know Carlton Davis can be a top 10 corner in the league if he if he gets his hands on more balls. He's a, he's a top 10 shutdown cornerback in the league, shutting down the likes of Devontae Adams, Julio Jones in his prime, Slant Boy, all these other guys. <laughs> we, we, we know that he can do the job. Jamel Dean was surprisingly, even though he was injured sometimes uh, last year, he still was one of the top cornerbacks, especially against press man coverage, the top cornerback um, when, when in that coverage style. So we know the Bucks play a lot of zone as well, but when they switch it up, he's going to have the opportunity to, to really continue to hone his craft and continue to get better. And I can see potentially not an all, not a pro bowl or all pro season from Jamel Dean because it's just way too much court, uh, competition at a cornerback. But having the stats and numbers where you say, oh, he, he could have made it this year. I think he's going to take that leap. Sean Murphy bunting, it's all about consistency, something we haven't seen. We saw it in three playoff games, disappeared. But he's also been injured. He got a fair, you know, difficult shake last year when the Cowboys game, dislocating his shoulder, missed or elbow missed almost the entire season. So he knows it's put up or shut up time. And in a contract year, sometimes that will do something different to guys. And I think he might be able to be able to take that next step. But if not, you've got that versatility. The rest of the, I mean, D. Delaney has looked great in, in OTAs um, yeah. and offseason camp. He, he looked pretty good last year, recorded, I think, two interceptions on the defense. Uh, it was a guy we were questioning half the season. D. Delaney's still on the roster? What's he doing? And, you know, maybe he's going to pay off for it. Kyle um, Ross Cockrell, another one of those guys with versatility. You don't really want him out in there in coverage, but I think the depth he provides is good. Zion McCollum, speed, size, athleticism. He checks every single box. How quickly can he get up to speed if it's quick enough? He's going to be a valuable asset back there. And a guy like Kyler McMichael as well, too, who the Bucks signed as an undrafted free agent. And they gave him the largest contract every year. It seems like the one of the Bucks hang on to an undrafted free agent, or uh, and maybe it could be him this year if he has a great camp. So I think the depth behind there, it, it's it's pretty strong and it's a strong group. And if you can get, you know, two Pro Bowl level type years out of Dean and, and Davis, which I think you can, I think that makes the group a little bit stronger than safety. I think they have maybe a little bit more depth. You explained that very well, but in terms of like consistency, like after you got, I mean, once you got to SMB, you lost me because he's been <laughs> inconsistent with his injury. Like, yeah, he, no, 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 no. SMB has a, a ways to go and, and way more to prove, but yeah, the other guys have shown glimmers of, of potential and, and the ability to, to play and step into those roles, but the consistency is lacked across the board once you get below. I mean, even with, what's his face, Jamal Dean, like he kept coming off the field for all sorts of different injuries. Maybe it's because of how much he was heavily relied on. I will give him that olive branch. He was relied on a lot and it was very, you know, shortly timed situation, but they're almost equivalent. Once you put it that way, JC, I, I still couldn't potentially give them a leg up over the safety group only because they have more names in terms of their depth, but in, in quality and contribution, everybody else kind of has a question mark next to it. Cause a lot of people were complaining about Ross Cockrell. A lot of people were, you know, very unhappy with the fact that Dini didn't have the speed to compete out there. There was issues that popped up in very untimely manners where I was freaking out and SMB just, no. Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying too. I just feel like, <laughs> 
Mike Edwards, we haven't seen as a full-time starter before. Keanu Neal hasn't been a full-time starter since what, 2020? And Neil Logan Ryan is concerned for sure. And, and Ryan as well, it has, didn't fare too great at free safety. I know he's going to be a kind of mixed player at both positions. So if you want to count him as a cornerback and a safety in both rooms, if you're counting him as a cornerback in the nickel, I think that just increases the cornerback room and makes it higher than the safety, what the safety room could be. I, I will be remiss if we don't shout out Troy Warner, who maybe could sneak on the roster as the fifth safety. Uh, Fred Warner, his brother, obviously, uh, all-pro linebacker, said he's the better athlete. So maybe he takes a stride and, and joins that room. But we'll, who knows? No, I, I like that. Uh, I like that we don't all agree. You know, we don't. <laughs> we don't have to have all this kumbaya crap all the time. No, oh, no kumbaya. <laughs> all right, kumbaya. AB. But kumbaya. the great, the great thing though is, you know, you could argue, oh, the safety has better depth, or you know, the corners have better depth. And you know what? It's you know, put your money where your mouth is. And the best place to go and do that, if you want to bet on who's going to have the most interceptions this year. The best place to go and put your money where your mouth is would be with mybookie.ag. And I know we're in the middle of the summer and you got tennis going on and golf and some UFC fights. And of course, there's baseball, as I talked about before. Great comeback win for the Mets yesterday. There's 162 games of the baseball season. And it can feel like a grind at time to watch, especially if you don't have a winning team like I do with the New York Mets. But you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. There's run lines, money lines, first inning, no runs, the best bet in all of sports, and props galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is very simple. You deposit up to $1,000 and play with half of that in bonus money instantly. Just use the promo code Pewter to claim a my bookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using the promo code Pewter to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to 1000 buckaroos. So bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. Again, that's promo code Pewter. Were there any other positions, Casey or JC, that um, I kind of glanced through already that you could or you feel has a case to be, um, you know, in the conversation, in the top four or anything like that? No. I'll take that as a no. Kicker? <laughs> Kicker? No, Jose Borgales? I don't know. No, oh, that's fine. That's fine. I, I think we pretty much um, – I think we pretty much covered everything we need to get to in terms of just the depth I mean, on this offensive line. There's a lot of fun storylines coming up in competitions, but in terms of the depth, I think we kind of already know well, where you, we're going with that. If you believe what J Jason Light, Bruce Arians, and, and Todd Bowles and Byron left, which the Kool-Aid they're drinking, then the Bucks have the best one-two punch at quarterback in the entire league. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I know that will get Scott riled up. You know, I was about to say, right? Scott will nail that argument all day long. Yeah. Also, I mean, coming out of no, heading into college, I was a bit of a Blaine Gabbert fan for a minute. There was there was some hope there. There just wasn't much. I wonder why? So. Okay, uh, no, because he's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> good <laughs> comment here. Um, I like Rice Bish says uh, PR. What up, my man, Coquive? Uh, are we doing fullback with Coquive? There is definitely a scenario where he could line up um, 
in, in the backfield. I mean, even Camp Raid has done that from a time or two. They put Chris Godwin, not as a fullback, but they put Chris Godwin um, in the backfield. Vita Vea, of course, in goal line, has lined up in the fullback position. Yep. The Bucks aren't going to have, like, a legit just fullback. a fullback on this team. But, yeah, they put tight ends in the backfield before, and I think uh, Coquif would be the number one candidate to do that. He'd be a cool yeah. guy for it. Oh, I mean, he's a mauler as a blocker. I mean, run blocking, pass blocking, you can do it all. You know, I don't know if they'll go with a fullback, but me and Scott, after we talked to Rashad White, toyed around with the, the idea of them having both Leonard and White out there. You know, you can use them in a variety yeah. of ways. Split one outside, split one out wide in the slot, uh, leave one in the backfield, split Lenny in the slot, split Rashad out wide. There's multiple different ways you can. So I wouldn't be surprised to see two running back sets, but they're not going to use a fullback. Okay, yeah. well, let's go. Let's jump off, like branch off of the depth situation for just a second. Which position group might outperform their previous season performance? Oh, like, good question. Um, in terms of like again, in, in entire depth, I think the the inside linebacker because you're talking yeah. about the, uh, Levante having uh, a year where he was injured for some of it, didn't have as many splash plays plays as we would have all liked to see same with Devin white, but you know, now he's going to have a new guy in his ear with um, inside linebacker coach, Larry foot. And again, while we're not exactly sure about KJ Britt and, and Grant Stewart, if, if KJ Britt shows that he can, you know, call a defense and, and make some impact plays in substitution for some of these guys, then yeah, inside linebacker completely playing over what they did the year before. I think JC. I'm going to go with outside linebacker. I think outside linebacker has the potential for the biggest jump. I mean, if you look at what happened last year, Joe Trinitrega had four sacks. I think JPP had two sacks. Anthony Nelson had five sacks. Shaq had 10 sacks. I see this room being able to put up 25 sacks on its own, um, just between potentially just between Shaq and and, and JTS. So, I mean, that doesn't include, you know, Cam Gill, I think, got a sack and a half. You know, you, you give him a sack and a half. You give, you know, Anthony Nelson a step back at four sacks and 10 and 15. I mean, you're talking almost 30 sacks. So, I think mm-hmm. that could be it. Matt's answer is a great one, too, unless one of those guys get hurt because I don't necessarily trust K.J. Britt in this defense, especially with his lack of speed. But I think outside linebacker should have the biggest jump as far as sack totals and, and getting after the quarterback, especially with the big boys up front. Casey, what's your answer? Nelson. I, I actually agree with JC on this one. I was I was thinking oh. outside linebacker. I think Anthony Nelson's going to have a whole other gear to him this season. Uh-oh. Um, yeah. Hey, he started to show up when people least expected it. And by the end of the season, people were all about Anthony Nelson. So, again, if you do the right thing in the offseason, there's no reason to level out or, or build upon what you, what you did last year. But – I think we'd be remiss not to say the running back group because there's a lot of pressure on them to actually produce this season and to do way better than they did last year. And a lot of that's going to come into, you know, play calling and stuff in order to give them the opportunity to do that. But I, it would be insane to not see a different level or a former level of Leonard Fournette on the field this season, because we're talking about a guy who is able to put up multiple of that rushing yard seasons, as well as contribute to pass catching. So on a three-year deal, having that comfort, having that confidence and that power that 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 he has the capability of doing. And then, you know, Rashad White, as you guys spoke to him a couple of days ago, and I'm not the biggest 
Keyshawn Vaughn fan, but they started to see things in, in him that they liked. And everyone had positive notations in terms of how he started to contribute towards the end of the season. So they have potential to beat out their performance last year. So it would be hard not to say the running back group, but I completely agree with you as well, JC. I think you made a lot of great points there in terms of outside linebacker. I think running back is going to be one of the most exciting positions to watch because again, like a lot of it with Rashad white, we don't know what, what we're going to get with him and when he's already making headlines. Cause uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the way he looks right now. So obviously there'll be a lot of, um, a lot of headlines in there, but a lot of exciting stuff from this show today. Thank you again, Casey and, and JC for joining the show. JC again, a uh, happy one year anniversary Yay. with Peter thank report. You. Thank you. Just want to remind everyone again, Thank you for watching and listening. Make sure you like, subscribe, subscribe to the Pewter Pulse. Um, hit that like button. Helps with our algorithm. Gets our followers up. More people can watch Pewter Report TV. It's absolutely free. Free 99. So make sure you go and do it. <laughs> Don't cost you a thing. So for Casey Hudson, for JC Allen, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you everyone for watching. And we will see you next week for a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Peace out. Out.